much for that smelly soap thing. <laughs> Women give each other soap for, for gifts, right? Guys don't do that. And, and why is that? Guys, if I gave you soap, what is it saying? It's saying, dude, you stink. Right? Women do this, guys don't. So, anyway. <laughs> she, she did not. Yeah. I actually, I actually have a t-shirt that says I will work for ammo. So, it, it's true. It's true. We are uh, going to be in Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be right at the end of the chapter. We actually are already at the end of, of chapter 2, only two or three months in. So we should have this uh, 27 chapters of Acts done in no time. Um, anyway, we're going we're gonna to talk about the church today. And it's an important thing for us to consider. So we're going to talk about the church. We've talked a little bit about the church in the sense of the one absolute essential for the church is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be here, or it's not. We're just a social gathering. In order for this to be a church, it has to be led and and it has to be moved by the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that earlier in the chapter. We're going to see really what this first church does, and and it's important because this first church, uh, we'll talk about as we get into context that this has never been done before. So it's important to to study what they did and how they did it. So let's read Acts chapter 2. It is up here behind me, starting in verse 42 and going through the end of the chapter. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So this is, I'll say again, the first church. So let's consider the context for a moment. First of all, this is Peter's, this is the reaction to Peter's sermon. And we spent actually several weeks studying our way through the, uh, Peter's sermon. And he, and he had an incredible response. 3,000 people came to know the Lord on that, when he was finished. 3,000 people. This is probably better than any Billy, Billy Graham crusade ever. 3,000 people at, at, at one sermon. And so now, now it's church. Now what do we do? Now I want to I remind you, we think, well, we, you just do church, right? But they had never done church. They didn't know anything about what we're doing right now. They literally, they knew the synagogue. But the synagogue was set more like a school than it was a church service. They knew the temple, but the temple, everything happened with the priests. The people didn't go. 
So everything was, is now different. So they didn't know, so what now is their question. Okay, I came to, to faith in Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died on that, on that cross for my sin, that he rose again. Now what? And, and, and they literally are setting a blueprint because there's, it's never been done before. Church has never been done before. So they're setting up what, what literally we still do. We, now our service follows a similar uh, line, you might say, from a synagogue service as far as what we do and when we do it. But it's, the synagogue was not church. It was totally different. It was, it was more of a school setting. We are, are still following much of what they did right here. This is the day of Pentecost. The church has been born. And now, what, how do they go about it? What do they do and how do they do it? Remember also that these are Jewish people. Now, the Jewish people are are absolute monotheists. They believe in one God, and it, and it set them apart from everybody in this area because everybody in this area had a God for everything. They had one God, and now suddenly they have to reorient their faith with the idea that, that there's one God, but that that one God has expressed himself in three ways. God the Father, God the Son, the Messiah that they know now is equal with God, and the Holy Spirit that they have just witnessed. So now we see that, that they have to take their monotheism and understand God in three persons, the way we understand it. Brand new concept to them. So they had to figure that out. And then they had to figure out how to do church and what to do when you did church. And this church, these verses that we're reading today have influenced the church for over 2,000 years. For over 2,000 years, we have looked at these, this first church and what they did immediately starting out and, and said, this is what we must do. So for 2,000 years, what we just read has been a blueprint for church. For them, it was the first time it had ever been done. So what do we find out when we read this? The first thing we see is they were a devoted church. Now, verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to fellowship. The word devoted literally means to persevere at, to persist at with great effort. What we might say today is sparing no effort. Sparing no effort, they devoted themselves to these things, to the apostles' teachings. Now, what did the apostles know? Well, what they knew was they'd followed Jesus around for three years, right? What they knew was their experience with Jesus. They'd seen him do things. They knew who he was, who he is, and what he's done. That was what they knew. They understood some Old Testament because Peter quotes quite a bit of it here to show them that Jesus is the Messiah. But but what they really knew, all of them knew about Jesus was from their personal experience with him. They'd been following him. They'd been living with him, walking with him for about three years at this point. This, I say, is what others need to hear from us. They do not need to know your theology. They need to know who Jesus is, 
what Jesus has done and what difference it made in your life. That's what they knew. And that's what the, these, these new believers were devoted to hearing from the apostles. Who Jesus is. What Jesus has done and how it has made a difference in the lives of believers. That's still the message that we need to send. Who is Jesus? What has he done? And, and how has that affected you? And this, this idea of devoting themselves to this, I have to admit that, that I look at the church in America and think we aren't so devoted anymore. We, we just don't take this serious. They devoted them. They spared no effort at knowing who Jesus is and what he has done. We have so much available to us. We have the Bible on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers. We have, we have written Bibles. We have translations for, for pretty much any language. You know, uh, um, we are involved with uh, Faith Comes by Hearing Ministry, the, the military Bible sticks. And those military Bible sticks are now being done in over 1,500 languages. We have it all available to us. Is it used? Do we devote ourselves? Do we spare no effort at, at knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Now, the second thing it says that they're devoted to is prayer. This, again, I'm, a, I'm afraid as I, as I think about the, the church in America, we, we're not devoted to prayer anymore. You know prayer changes things, right? Prayer either changes the situation or it changes you in the situation, but it always changes something, always, every time. God always answers prayer, always. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. And sometimes the answer is, no, I've got something better for you. But he always answers. If, if you were to come to me and say, how can I truly spiritually grow? The first thing, my first advice to you would be an active prayer life. Because nothing changes you more than an active prayer life. They devoted themselves to prayer. We, uh, we pretty easily say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that. I'll pray for you. Do we then? Or if we did once, do we continue? We need to devote ourselves to knowing who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what difference it makes in life, and we need to devote ourselves to prayer. The first church was devoted. Devoted to knowing Jesus and devoted to prayer. This first church was also a proclaiming church, a, a, a discipling church, what we would call today evangelism and discipleship. We have, we have names for this stuff now. They didn't then. What they did, you know, verse, uh, the last verse we read there, verse 47 says, every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. How did that happen? That happened because the 3,000 that were saved went and told somebody. That's how that happens. That how, that's how it still happens. <laughs> Nothing changed here. We need to be proclaiming what we know, the G, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what he, what, the difference that he's made in our lives. We need to be telling others about that. 
That's evangelism. That's what we call evangelism today. It's just how they did church. The church is supposed to be the place where this happens, where, where, where we, we are taught and then proclaim. And it, and it also, what we call discipleship, it says he, they were, these people that came were added to the number. That means they, they not only told them about Jesus, they brought them into the fold. They brought them into church so that they could learn from the apostles, so that they could learn from each other, so that they could walk the walk of faith together. You know, for this, for this group, this was a brand new faith, a brand new faith. And so how do you walk, how do you, how do you live now that I believe in Jesus? That's what church was, was for, was to find out how to live with each other, find out how to live this new faith. It's still what church does. It's still what the church is about. We call that discipleship today. But what it is, is walking the walk of faith together. They did it. We still need to do it. Through the, uh, through the course of COVID, there's a couple of things that have, that have really dropped off in church. church it, it, COVID's been hard on churches. And... and now, we can, through podcasts and, and video sermons and, and live broadcasts and all those things, we can get the word of God out. We can get worship out. What we cannot get is accountability and fellowship. Now, I, I, know, I know that you don't like the word accountability. Nobody does. We don't want to be held accountable. This is what I mean by the, by the word accountability. What I mean is walking beside each other. And so if, if you have a question about how do, you, how do you do this as a Christian, you've got a Christian to help you do that. That's what I mean by accountability. That's part of the church's mission. That's, you see that here because they added them to the fold of the church once they came to Christ. They added them to the fold. That's the accountability side. Okay, this is a brand new faith. How do I live it? It's still a brand new faith to us, isn't it? How do we live it? We live it in a group. We live it together. We live it as, as, as a, the family of God. That's the accountability that I'm talking about. And then the fellowship, it, it, this was a fellowshipping church. Verses 45 and 46 talk about this fellowship, how they gathered together. Now, I will say this, just here of late, Verses 45 and 46 have been used as an endorsement of socialism. And that's ridiculous. This is not a government. This is not a political party. This is the church being the church. It's those in the church that have giving to those in the church that don't. That's all it is. So they can't make political statements out of this. This is the church being the church. A fellowshipping church. Now, fellowship is not the primary thing, the only mission of the church, but it's an important one. It's important because the, the, there is, there's no example of the lone Christian in the New Testament. We, we hear today people say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. Well, I suppose theologically you can be. 
But find me an example of that. There isn't one. There's no lone wolf Christian that's, that's a, a believer in Christ but not a part of the church in the New Testament. It doesn't exist because Christianity is not a, a solo sport. It is a living together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's this fellowship that was so important to them should still be important to us. And that fellowship, again, has with it some accountability. It is, brother, you're, you're getting off the path. How can I help you? So you have the accountability, you have the fellowship. Again, something that during COVID times has dropped off. We've, it, it, it has become harder. We can get the word of God out. We can get worship out. You can do those things at home. But fellowship and accountability and walking the, your faith with somebody else, that's only done here. That's only in church. We need the fellowship. We need the, the accountability. And again, as much as you hate that word, I want you to, to what, what I want you to hear when I say it is that we are walking together, figuring out how to live this faith. That's what I mean by accountability. And there are those that say, again, I can be a Christian without, without going to church. There's not a biblical example of that. There are also those who say, well, the church is a universal thing, you know? It, it's, it's, uh, it's universal, and so I don't need to be part of a local body. It's just a universal church. And it is true that we, right here, right now, are a part of a greater thing. We are part of the church on this mountain, in this, in this country, in this world, and through history. We are. But the biblical examples are local churches. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, who is he writing to? A local church. When Paul writes to the Galatians or the Philippians, who is he writing to? A local church. In Revelation, when we see the, 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 the seven churches, who are they? Local churches. The local church is important. It always has been. It's always been biblical. We do need this fellowship. We do need this accountability. We need to be focused, devoted to knowing Jesus, to prayer, to accountability, and to, to uh, fellowship. One of my favorite passages on the church is in Hebrews. Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the, the day approaching. Do you think the day is approaching? Man, I do. <laughs> so I think this is more critical than ever. Perhaps the most important part of church. We enjoy, we enjoy getting together. We enjoy worship. We enjoy uh, the fellowship. We enjoy all of these things. And, and I was talking to a couple of educators uh, over the weekend. This right here, what we're doing is the least effective way, by nature anyway, of learning. One guy talking to, to a group of people with, with no interaction. That's literally the worst way. So the only reason the, 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 
it's used, the only reason God uses it is because it's supernatural. It's not a natural way to learn. It's a supernatural way to learn. The Holy Spirit does this work. And even through what, what Paul calls the foolishness of preaching, we learn, we grow, we, get, we, we mature in our faith because we're together. So we need to, we need to consider church and we need to consider what are just likes and dislikes, what are uh, really more matters of opinion, and what are biblical church mission. I think the biblical church mission is shown to us here in these few points. This new church showed us what's important. It showed us the, the, the absolute basis of church. They were devoted they made every effort to know who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to teaching one another. They were devoted to proclaiming and discipling. They, were, they, they showed others who Jesus is. They told others who Jesus is, and they brought them into the fold so that they could be disciples, so they could grow in their faith, so they could hear the the teaching of the apostles. And they were a fellowshipping church. They understood they were together on purpose with a purpose. I know you hear me say it all the time, but it's truth. <laughs> we are not gathered on accident. We are gathered on purpose with a purpose. We see the purpose here. It's to mature us and it's to show the world who Jesus is. This is what we are about. This is why church is still important today. You know, I have said it many times, but I'll say it again. This is God's design. We are in a God-ordained partnership here amongst each other. This isn't mankind's idea. This was God's idea. The Holy, you see the Holy Spirit guiding this very first group of believers into what to do, what we're still doing. This is a God-ordained partnership. So it's, it's really, if, if mankind would have come up with this, we would have wrecked it thousands of years ago. And, and believe me, we have tried. But it continues because it's God-ordained. This is God's plan, to grow you and to show Jesus to the world through you. We still need church maybe more today than ever. Because I'll say again, we have the word, we have worship. You can, you can find that on YouTube or anywhere. You cannot find is fellowship. What you cannot find is people loving you and building into your life and showing you how this, this faith works. That's church. Are you a part of a, of a God-ordained partnership? Are you, are you do, do you see church in a different way today? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. The first thing about church, for them, for us, is a relationship with Christ. They, they came to know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. 
Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what Jesus has done? Do you know that, that he is the Messiah, fully man and fully God, and that he died on a cross to pay the price for your sin? All we have to do is accept, receive what he, what he would offer. And it's a simple prayer. You pray along with me in your own words and say, God, I, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus and in my place on that cross. I place my faith, my trust in his sacrifice for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. Grant me the Holy Spirit that I've seen in, in Acts chapter 2. Power, guidance, and, and bring me into the fold. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.